0: this is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And
0: this is wonderful. This is a
1: show where we talk about things that we like that's good that we're into. It's a podcast hosted by marrieds Marrieds, (laughs) like us. And it is so nice to see you with me today. And the ensemble (laughs) you're wearing right now is is fun. It is, I would say, neo-futuristic.
0: I bought a pair of fitness shorts that are very bright, um have kind of like a almost like a marbleized pattern of bright uh purples and blues and greens. Uh and I've worn them maybe twice now and both times Griffin is like oh uh, well it, it's all he wants to talk I, about. I got to tell you
1: it's cuz I like the way you fit in shorts. <laughs>
0: So smooth. So smooth. <laughs> Thanks.
1: I you know So much Riz. We were separated for four or five days while I was in
0: While he was on tour, not out of any dispute. <laughs> no.
1: Um well, I was in Seattle and you know I saved up this Riz. I'm not going to use this Riz on other people.
0: Why would you want to bring it to the stage? There's no reason to have that on stage. No. People come for a
1: very mechanical, right <laughs> over the plate sort of um, diatribe from me uh-huh. when they come, they come, you know, buy tickets to see us speak, share our thoughts, our philosophies. Uh-huh. And then I get home and I've got all this Riz stored up. I just open up the chamber.
0: Uh-huh. And, let her, let and I put these shorts on and it's just like a tidal wave. Good
1: work with Riz, young people. Great work just really really powerful stuff um that word it um,
0: saved us so much time
1: it, it does yeah it's it, it st- stops you from saying k and muh, like a real <laughs> dummy uh you got any small wonders for me
0: oh um
1: i can go first if you'd like
0: yeah go ahead crepes i had a
1: crepe while i was in seattle
0: oh wow
1: Ric- ricotta
0: wow ricotta i didn't even know you liked ricotta
1: um, I like it in a crepe. I okay. don't like a lot of ricotta. I don't like like a lot of sort of curdled cream.
0: I guess we eat a lot of lasagna. I mean not a lot, but but we do eat lasagna. When you
1: eat lasagna, you usually eat a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had a tiny cute little <laughs>
0: lasagna.
1: Um uh yeah, I just I love a I love a crepe. It has a t- uh, sort of a kind of like flabby texture that I S- just enjoy more than I think I'm going to every time I eat one. Um very very fun. Very fun, the crepe. P- 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 sprinkle some fruit on there. <laughs>
0: that noise you <laughs> <use> sp- <way. laughs>
1: sprinkle some fruit. Don't mind if I do.
0: Um, I thought of my thing. Okay. Uh which is um witches are great. <laughs> they cast spells, cauldrons,
1: frog eyes. Magic, moonlight, the forest, oh, God. friendship.
0: A lot youth. of people are like, is it hard to be married to a McElroy because they're so quick? Uh, and normally I would say no, but that that was hard for me in that moment.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. I got excited. I thought you wanted to talk about witches.
0: Um. I was going to say, which is going out to dinner uh, when you have your parents visiting you, which is what I had recently, and Griffin had just gotten back, and we had not been out to dinner in a while. Uh, And I've never looked around the restaurant to try and find other people doing what we're doing, but there is a a level of joy when you have young children to go out to dinner with your partner. Uh, that is unparalleled. And I'd like to think that if I looked around the restaurant, I could spot others like us. Oh, for sure. Because Griffin and I look at each other like we have been let out of a cage. Uh-huh. And it is so exciting. Food tastes better.
1: The food tastes so
0: good. It's just... It's
1: shout out shout to Pearl Dive Oyster Bar. Um, j- the, the blackened shrimps were so fun. Yeah. So tasty. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the seafood, guys. You're crushing it over there. I go first this week. Um, This is one I'm going to file under, I can't believe we haven't talked about it before, and it is Escape Rooms. Whoa. Yes, I feel like uh, Escape Rooms have been around for a little while now and have have sort of uh, made their footprint in our consciousness uh, sort of over over the last, you know, I don't know how long, decade or so.
0: Yeah, I was to say, I feel like the first escape room that I did was in New York when yes. we went there, and Sydney was pre- pregnant with Charlie, so it would have been, what, like eight or nine years yeah. ago, I guess? So, nine so years?
1: This is, it's still, you know, in the grand scheme of things, still a relatively new thing, and I think since then, over the last decade, they have become something of a, like, shorthand goof... About like frivolous ways that millennials spend their time <laughs> and money, um and like it is it is an inherently. Very nerdy thing to do, to lock yourself in a in a big puzzle box for an hour using only your wits.
0: Well, and I will say it's difficult to describe to other people. You know, like, like when Griffin did one recently, he came home and he was like, we did an escape room. And then there was almost nothing you could say after that. It was almost just like, you know, you couldn't really get into the puzzles. You'd have to describe the space, you right. know, like it. There's a lot of detail involved in them and it makes it difficult to tell the story when you leave. Well, and I don't want to
1: spoil it, right? Oh, I've yeah? done I've done escape rooms with like very cool mechanics in them, like very very neat puzzle solutions, but even that like I don't know, in isolation is not uh as thrilling as it is to like be in it and uh you know, be a be a part of it. After we we did just do one when we were in Seattle that I'll talk about, but when we were coming out, I was like, "Man, it would be great if there was like a reality show that was just about like um escape rooms but as someone pointed out like no because it's like being in the escape room is the thing and so yeah. watching other people do it would probably not be as uh exciting yeah um i love a puzzle i love when that puzzle is nested inside of 10 other puzzles uh and dropped into sort of a themed designed experience just just for me the being able to see the authorship of the escape room is like a big part of the of the the pleasure that I get from it um and people kind of i think people often dismiss escape rooms as just sort of a team building exercise um but I feel like I can speak from experience in saying that it can also be a team destroying exercise yeah or ra- or i guess it can be a lens through which the weaknesses, through which the cracks and the foundations of a group of people can be sort of uh, revealed yeah, and examined. It's true. Um, because I've had some not great escape room experiences. Never with the fam. I feel like with the fam, like, we're uh, well, a pretty well-oiled machine. One, well, you're point.
0: very serious about it. Like, nobody is like, "What's the, whatever. You know, like, you all are like, we're doing this as fast it's as possible. It's so
1: annoying. When someone is that way. I know. In an escape room. We're locked in here. What else do you have going on? Nothing. For an hour. I know you have nothing. There is nothing you've got going on for the next hour that is more important the finding clues.
0: Well, and also, like, when you signed up, you knew what it was. You know, like, if if you would prefer not to do an escape room, then don't do an escape it's room. It's so you easy know?
1: to not get locked <laughs> in an escape room. I have never, I have never <laughs> been in a room and tried the door and been like,
0: oh, fuck, this is an escape room. Unless you, like, told somebody we're going to dinner and then they open the door and they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, unless you get
1: the gamed, like the film (laughs) The Game, uh, then I guess you can be excused from being kind of a jag about being in an escape room. But when a team works together, like, there's really nothing quite like it. I think that escape rooms from a, like, uh, sociological standpoint are one of a kind because they really break down the kind of, like, norms that you construct In the group of people that you go in there with, if you go in there with a group of friends or coworkers, there is a certain way of interacting and a certain power dynamic that exists between every individual person in the group that when you are in an escape room changes dramatically by necessity in order to like – to in order to like m- move forward with the thing. I feel the same way about like uh role playing games, like D&D, when you play D&D with a group of friends, like it reveals things about them and it changes the kind of way that you interact with each other so fundamentally uh in a way that is illuminating and I think very beneficial to the group because so it, this
0: this is a fun question yeah. so what would you say about you and your brothers do you all have like specialties like would you say like if I'm going to escape room with Justin and Travis it's most likely that Justin is going to do this and Travis is going to do this and I'm going to do this
1: I think that we fall on different parts of like the spectrum of um like franticness as we go through, <laughs> right uh-huh. I think that Travis is just sort of like bouncing around the room, looking (laughs) at like all of the clues and like, you know, finding those like connections. Um, My role, uh, I think Justin falls sort of between the two of us. I always look for what I think is the like overarching puzzle or like the end game puzzle that you need all of the other pieces to be in place in order to get to. Yeah, Because I also know that like, If someone doesn't do that, then the end of an escape room is usually pretty frustrating, right? If you don't have one person who's like going through, like has the one thing that is like, well, clearly this is the thing that we need to do. And now let's see how all the pieces fit into that. I like that part of it a lot. I find that very, very satisfying. Because a
0: lot of it is like opening your drawer and being like, this is a nail. Maybe this is something. I don't know. Dad will do that. To because dad did this escape room with
1: us where he will just get in one puzzle like he will just find one element of the room and just kind of like work on that for a while yeah Um, so but I mean it takes all kinds you know Uh I feel like we I feel like we I like to be
0: like like crawling under the desk like lifting up the rug kind of like where is the hidden thing
1: right yes that's (laughs) always so satisfying Uh is like the prop set design of the (laughs) the thing. It can be very, very cool. So it's like, as a social activity, it's great. It's oftentimes very illuminating, but like it is the game design perspective of escape rooms that obviously I adore the most because I, I really like when you're in an escape room when you can feel like you're like in conversation with the person or people who designed the escape room. Just this feeling of knowing that everything you need to solve the thing is at hand, right? And has been placed in a way it's just about finding the connections between the clues and the numbers and the locks and the doors that the author of the experience sort of designed, right? Can
0: I ask, do they always have hints? Like most I
1: I think every room I've ever done
0: has Yeah. Like there's an an attendant who is watching you and will occasionally like pop in and be like, maybe go back to the phone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I um I the the one we just did in Seattle was an Evil Dead Two themed escape room, which is fucking great. That I is I love that cool. movie so much, um, and. Like it kind of went through the plot of the movie and there's like a, there were screens sort of in the walls all over the room. So you could see like the little hand crawling around and uh, ash would appear like in mirrors and like talk to you. And there was like a lot of like very, very cool set design stuff uh, happening there. But you also had like a walkie talkie that you could use to like get, get clues if you get stuck on stuff, but like we never used it. No, Um, look at you. Well, no, because I feel like it is. uh, It is more satisfying when you don't have to, because it speaks to the the uh, through line, the strength of the through line of the thing. Right when you when you don't need it. But that said, like I I think the best feeling that an escape room delivers is when you walk in for the first time, the clock starts, and you are just plopped into this nebulous web of numbers and clues and uh, props and uh, secrets that uh y- it just feels like you could go in any direction right and you don't know how the pieces fit and then you find that first piece that fits and now all of a sudden you have like a direction like the dam breaks a little bit and now there's like a natural flow through the room that develops all the way until the end when like the list of the pile of clues has been diminished just to a few and the momentum of it just like carries you through into the into the conclusion like that is when that works organically it's it's genuinely quite magical and and very very cool um and and this escape room was definitely like that and i have done ones that have not been like that where it's like there's no way a person could have gotten this without yeah. getting some clues from the from the, uh, the the puzzle master. Um, It is just very cool to be in a room. And even though the like designer of the room is not present, you feel their presence in the design of the thing and the mapping of the thing. Um, And also like escape rooms are one of the few avenues that truly talented like set designers and prop designers have to exercise their craft. Uh, and, and, it's just neat being in a, a weird place, like a weird curated environment. We did one, I believe, in Denver that was like a Martian tavern. So, like, everything was just, like, sort of rusty, neon, futurist aesthetic that was just, like, really fucking cool to be yeah. in. And obviously, like, the Evil Dead 2 um, cabin was, was iconic and cool. And at one point, I had to put my hand down in a garbage disposal to, like, fish a clue wow. out of a thing. And, it, like, it was kind of spooky and fun. Um I think I just think escape rooms are rad. I think they're they are very very cool to participate in. They're probably incredible to design. I'm very interested in like how one goes about designing a good escape room. Um and I'm sure there's lots of <laughs> resources out there of people talking about that. And the fact that they have uh, spread so quickly and become like a part of uh pop culture, you know, in just a matter of years, I think genuinely says something cool about human beings that like there is this element of immersive play that we all crave that we all find or not all because I've you know been in escape rooms with buttholes before but like for most of us it is a kind of like um it is it is an immersion in a playfulness that you don't get anywhere else and to be a part of that with other people and seeing that like wonder in their own sort of uh faces uh is is very cool and then getting together to accomplish something together is very cool um and i just i like escape rooms a whole lot i think they're I will, a special thing
0: i'll also say it's kind of rare that you go a place and you have no idea what you're gonna see like yes. the, the nature of escape rooms is such that they like don't want people to know a lot about the room before they walk in so like you and I, like when we go to a restaurant, we will look at pictures of the food. We will look at what the inside of the restaurant looks like. Like we will read reviews. But with an escape room, you really it's like a surprise. Yeah. Like by design.
1: Yeah. Um, can I steal you away? Yes.
0: Thank you. Griffin. Yeah. You know, it's a shame.
1: What? What? your time. Yeah, you can do that also. Anything is possible! That's um, th- for the commercial, the Super Bowl commercial they had. That was my voice yelling anything is possible. In wow. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. Hey, head to squarespace.com slash wonderfulpod for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderfulpod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
0: Somewhere In an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter. And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are... Jet Pacula, Airport Marriott, Frepple, Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, and Allah in the Family.
1: In our stupid universe, you can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them
0: on Dead Pilot Society... The podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org. I'm Jesse Thorne.
1: Bullseye is celebrating 50 years of hip-hop by bringing you an entire month of brand new interviews with rappers. That means Jeezy. I put my pain in the music. Angie Stone. You know, hops. We called them hops back then.
0: Master P. Music is what's going to open the doors for us, but whatever we come up with after this, it's going to be bigger. Plus, Chica, Saba, even the greatest of them all, Rakim.
1: That's this September. Open up that podcast app, type in Bullseye, and
0: hit subscribe. You're not going to want to miss any of this. Okay. My topic this week is the disco ball. Yes. I have talked about this in the context of the one that I hung up in our kitchen. Yeah. Um,
1: It did not get its own segment, I'm assuming. No.
0: No. I don't even know if I made that a small wonder or not, because when I looked to see on our website, I didn't see it listed. Yeah. Maybe we called it something goofy. I don't know. Um, Mirror ball. That that is actually like kind of how it started. That's how people talked about it, obviously before disco. Okay. Um, but the actual patent um, <laughs> was called a myriad reflector Ooh, in 1917. That's cool. Fuck yeah, that sounds
1: like some. That sounds like a part in a spaceship. Like well, the warp drives are down because I the know. myriad reflector
0: is shattered. I know. That's cool. I I, I love a disco ball. I also kind of love like a prism. Anything that reflects light in kind of surprising and unpredictable ways is really exciting for me because I'm a kitty cat. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, the only disco balls I remember owning is the one we have now. And then when I turned 16, I got as a present from one of my friends, which I'm realizing now was probably purchased by his mom. Like it was one of those things that I got as a 16 year old. And I was like, what a thoughtful gift. Cause it was like, it was like a disco ball and fuzzy dice and a little like cassette tape of 80s music. Oh, wow. For my 16th birthday. Very themed. And I was like, what a, what a clever present. And I'm realizing now, like as I think about it. They his don't mom, know
1: you very well. His mom probably purchased yeah, sure. that.
0: And that was the go-to 16th birthday present, I'm sure. I
1: mean, there's a reason it's called Spencer's Gifts.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. It's because is where
1: you go and it's like, I don't know you, but this is a lava lamp.
0: But I know that you like a coffee cup with boobs on it, so... I went to Spencer's and I got it for you. Yeah,
1: That's more than... I feel like Spencer's has gotten so raunchy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel like it used to be kind of raunchy. I feel like it is extremely raunchy now.
0: When? I can't even remember the last time I've been in a Spencer's.
1: I I haven't been in a Spencer's, but I've walked by a Spencer's. And just kind of... In a mall. Well, no. Just in the front shop window. is just like they'll have a, you know, just a big nude... Body pillow or some sort of <laughs> shit. It's Godzilla, but his wiener's out. Like a t-shirt with Godzilla, but his wiener's out.
0: I Would, I, would you wear that? No. It's kind would of, I wear a shirt with Godzilla's <laughs> wiener on it? It's kind of funny. I've got kids. I've got I two kids. It's kind Can of funny. Can you
1: imagine? I went to school to pick up Henry wearing my Godzilla wiener shirt.
0: Well no, you wouldn't wear it like when you were out with our when son. would I wear
1: it? When would be a good time for me to wear my Godzilla wiener shirt? No,
0: when you were performing in front of a crowd of thousands of people. I'm gonna make
1: thousands of people look at Godzilla's wiener. That's I- foul. <laughs> that's foul. I could I go mean, to jail. I could go to jail for doing that.
0: You guys always wear costumes. How is that any different?
1: You don't mean that. <laughs> There's no way you can mean that. The no, gulf between true. my admittedly appropriative sailor man outfit nah. and a t-shirt that has Godzilla and his wiener on it is so vast. I would wear the sailor man outfit to pick Henry up from school before I would wear a Godzilla wiener shirt.
0: I can't remember how we, we Spencer's disco ball. Okay. I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember how we got here, but I guess every show at some point we end up talking about this. Godzilla's wiener.
1: Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know why.
0: Uh, Okay. Myriad Reflector. Uh, It was sold in uh, Cincinnati, actually. All right. Disco Um, capital of the world. And uh, beginning in the 1920s, promised to fill dance halls with, quote, this must have been how they marketed it, dancing fireflies of a thousand hues.
1: Well, no. Really, probably just the one hue, right?
0: Well, I mean, think about like anything that reflects light can do so in kind of a rainbow way. You can get different... Color so if each like little
1: mosaic tile of the thing was like different, had a different... Well, no. Would that work? Hold on. Let me think. If you had a mirror that had like a lens of color over it, it would... Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything.
0: Uh, so the earliest disco balls were 27 inches in diameter and covered with over 1,200 tiny mirrors.
1: They probably cost like a billion dollars because they weren't machined i have to imagine these were yeah right someone would have to break a mirror in a very specific way
0: yeah so so what ended up happening um there was a company uh you may have heard of called omega national products i believe these are the people that make the watches that's my guess okay uh i'm actually not sure about that but i assume me, me neither uh located in louisville kentucky uh, this is in the 40s and 50s. They uh had experience making flexible mirrored sheets for Art Deco furniture. Um, so for example, like Liberace with the piano covered in reflective material. So dope. Uh and so they they kind of put that to work with making mirror balls. Um and it was, you know, dance halls, roller rinks, uh, speakeasies. Yeah. You know, it really set set a mood.
1: It's weird thinking about people dancing like the Charleston with a mirror ball there.
0: I know. It's although roller skating rinks was something I forgot about, and that's a hundred percent true.
1: What that they I have feel like every ro- oh yeah every it's yeah. it's legally mandated that every roller skating rink has to have a mirror ball.
0: Uh, so then the seventies came. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Omega was sourcing 90% of America's disco balls. <laughs> That's great. I
1: want to know who the rogue agent is, those other 10%.
0: <laughs> when they were kind of like, like little janky, mm-hmm. like the mirrors were all different sizes. Just a
1: cube with six <laughs> mirrors on it. I did it.
0: Yay. <laughs> uh, they would make at this plant, um, 25 disco balls a day. That's uh, not very many. Carefully affixing the reflective sheets to the globes. Uh, A 48-inch disco ball might sell for $4,000. Jesus Christ. Which roughly equates to about $20,000 today. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And a lot of this was Saturday Night Fever. So 1977, disco ball is prominent. And then disco clubs kind of- Shot up everywhere. The movie made it so that an estimated 20,000 disco clubs showed up around the country. That's so fucking bonkers. I know, right?
1: That one movie can change sort of the business landscape of the nation.
0: I in mean, that back way. in the day when people were so disconnected, you know, there's no like, there's no platform like the internet. Have you ever seen Saturday Night Fever or had any interest in I've seeing it? I've watched parts of it. It's a little slow. Like it's not.
1: It seems mad boring.
0: Yeah. It's not what you would want it to be, no, which is but just
1: a, a romp, you know? Yeah, like a sexy disco romp. <laughs> like a break into Electric Boogaloo. Now that's
0: a movie. Uh, obviously disco, not, not as popular uh, now, um, but it's still- coming back the ball itself still an appeal um louisville uh in kind of a a a tribute to their connection to the creation of the disco ball built an 11 foot 2300 pound ball uh that costs fifty thousand dollars uh apparently in england uh there was one that was created uh that has 2500 mirrored tiles but stands three stories tall
1: that's big
0: yeah uh it's a big one
1: that's a big ball mm-hmm. i mean i think they're great for don't they like scare away bugs or some shit don't they like there's something about the way that they reflect light the bugs see that and they are like no way man i'm out of here
0: I don't know. I mean I just know it makes our kitchen look real pretty when the sun's at a certain level.
1: Yeah, it's a very specific time. There's like fourteen minutes a day where we're getting <laughs> light on the on the mirror ball. Yeah. Um yeah, I love a mirror ball too. I do have lots of sort of um lots of fond memories.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that I know is kind of hokey and maybe doesn't represent the greatest design aesthetic, but um it it's just it delights me.
1: It looks very cool. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, can I tell you what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Okay. Well, here we go. Uh, got one here and it's from, uh, Dublin who says, uh, my small wonder is pop sockets. Phones keep getting bigger and my hands do not. So these little guys help me not fling my phone into the ether on a daily basis.
0: Have you ever thought about getting one of these? All the time.
1: The number (laughs) of times that like I've been, I've like, you know, uh, been eating dinner uh, which we do in shifts because we eat dinner while our kids are still awake and like yeah. I'm trying to watch something on my phone and I'm just trying to like like balance. Lean it, it against so something lean it against uh-huh. something to watch some shit is yeah. I I've thought a lot about it. I don't um
0: It feels like a big decision.
1: It feels like a huge <laughs> decision. <laughs> I don't know what I like enough to have Permanently affixed onto the machine, I use several hours a day.
0: I think because you and I will buy a phone case and we will use that same phone case until it like isn't a phone case I've anymore. Been
1: looking at the the edges of the one I use now have become sort of uh, beige and mottled in a way. That's so the idea of gross. like
0: affixing something to that phone case and then being with that for Forever. a year
1: or whatever. And then does it fit in the pocket? Good. I still?
0: know. I don't
1: know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Gwynn says Trader Joe's bubble tea pack from the freezer section. It takes thirty seconds in the microwave. A dash of milk and my favorite chestnut black tea to start my morning off with a lightly sweetened, caffeinated beverage. That sounds great.
0: Can I admit something to you?
1: You've never had bubble tea.
0: I don't think so.
1: Um, I have a couple times. It's I don't like tea so much. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it you you can also get it in a sort of creamier not traditional tea variety, and then you just have these little gooey guys. There.
0: <laughs> I remember I had a friend in high school who liked bubble tea, and I thought he was so worldly.
1: Yeah, sure. Of course. It's like, it's a like, cool how did thing. you
0: get your hands on this crazy tea?
1: Um, I remember I had it in college with some buddies when I was visiting a friend in Detroit, um, and I remember just spending a lot of time sucking the bubbles up and then shooting them at oh, each other. Oh, of
0: course, of course.
1: Which is, I think, the main reason people do bubble tea.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how they get started. I'm I bet sure. it's
1: good. I should find some good bubble tea. It's the kind of thing whenever I see people drinking it, I'm like, that seems fun. Mm-hmm. I bet I could get down with that. It does seem that. fun. A nice creamy beverage yeah, with some bubbles floating in it. Hell yeah, it's like Orbits. Um, <laughs> I love referencing soft drinks that, 40 people on Earth ever drank. Uh uh None of whom are... I'm the only one still living. Uh Orbitz was like Sprite, but with little gel balls floating in it. And it was so fucking gnarly.
0: No, I remember this as a thing. I never wanted to have it. No, it was
1: like slurping down frog spawn. (laughs) It was horrible.
0: But I also know how the McElroy family celebrated a new consumer product in the house.
1: sometimes that shit still... Sometimes some of those products are still good. I had a clearly Canadian... Uh, a couple tours ago, uh, and that shit was a staple in the McElroy household. Yeah, and hits so good. It's so good. Clearly Canadian.
0: How is it different than like a sparkling water of today?
1: Flavor extremely sweet, extremely uh, flavorful. Okay. Um, but uh, it, but in a pleasant effervescent way. Mm. I would crush some clearly Canadian right now. Okay. Um, that's it for the show this week. Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go on over to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great stuff that they've got over there um, because you're going to find something that you have a great time listening to, I bet. Um, we have merch over at macroymerch.com. We have some shows coming up in Philly and New York doing Taz and Mabim Bam uh, in October. You can go to MacRoy.family and find uh, links and tickets and all that jazz there. Anything else we want to say? Anything?
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Well, that'll do it. And now that we made it to the end of the episode, we can tell you to go look for the clues that we dropped throughout the rest of the episode.
0: I was going to test out what other mythic uh, giant monsters uh, that you wouldn't wear their penises on shirts. Okay. King Kong,
1: obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mothra. do you remember that SNL sketch where King Kong (laughs) had a boner that went in through the window? Yeah. That was such a wild Wild sketch! I cannot believe made it to air. I think a lot about the King Kong's (laughs) penis sketch. A lot, yeah. Um, uh, that's it, really. Just Godzilla and King Kong. I think.
0: Well, Um, there's Mothra. There's Gamera.
1: I don't think either of them are packing.
0: Wow! All right. I don't.
1: I mean, I'm uh, my knowledge of kaiju physiology is Mm -hmm. obviously limited.
0: (laughs) That's true.
1: Um. So, yeah, I'm going to limit it to Godzilla and King Kong. I mean, if I had a shirt that had Mothra with just like a comically large member on it.
0: What? Now that's art. What if it was like a child's flip book where there were pants on it, but it was like not attached at the bottom so you could like flip it up? So you could do like you could flash.
1: You're, in, you're inventing whole new shirt technology to <laughs> no, cater to make, your perversions. They
0: make shirts like that for kids with like superheroes. You remember? I mean, no, yeah, but the, yeah, but
1: <laughs> you But there's a little bit of a difference. <laughs>